All right, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. This is a great scripture. We're doing our month on anointed to serve. And, uh, and often serving can sound like a dirty word nowadays. Well, I've just got to serve. I've got to be a servant. But it's my prayer that you would get the heart of this message, that sons are sent to serve. We're sons and daughters of God, that he calls us to serve, that actually... The greatest in the kingdom are not those who try and get up, but those who try and get low. Amen. Jesus says the greatest in the kingdom, you, you want to be the greatest, you serve. So there's something to do with serving that's really powerful before God. He sees it differently than we do. And so I'm praying for you today that you'll have eyes of faith Amen. to see what God wants to do in your own life. And as I preach this, Make it really practical for yourself. So I make it as practical as possible. But use your own imagination. Receive from Holy Spirit as I preach. Because he's got a word for you today. Amen? Amen. So in a large house, this is Paul talking to Timothy. But I believe that there's a message in God, from God in this scripture. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. It's a good image, isn't it? Some are for special purposes, and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves, cleanse means just to set yourself apart. It's not some weird spiritual thing. It's just to set yourself apart for the use of God, okay? Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. The master there is Jesus. Paul is talking here. He's, God's speaking through him to Timothy. And God is inviting us in this passage to experience more of his kingdom. God is inviting you in this passage. There is a call from God to set yourself apart as a servant for him. I love this passage because there's a choice I get to make. It gives us a choice. It says there's this whole house. Everyone's got all these ministries. When, when, when you're birthed into the world, God creates you with a purpose, a plan, and an assignment. Amen. Everyone who says yes to Jesus, all of a sudden that's downloaded to you and you have it in here. And now the great part is figuring it out. I love that. Come on. It's so awesome. That's why prophetic words are so powerful. And, um, and Paul gives two choices. There's two choices in this, right? This is, this is why... There's Christians who walk around, they love God, they love Jesus, but they live no different to the world. And this is why there are Christians who are absolutely on fire for God, doing great things for the kingdom, because there's a choice in this scripture. The choice is, do I want to be used by God for special purposes? Or the choice is, do I want to be common? It's polarizing, isn't it? Because it says you can be a believer, but do nothing special for God. And I refuse, listen, listen up, I refuse to let that be the story of my life and I refuse to let that be the story of your lives. I refuse to live anything less than the life that God has called me to and you should make that same decision. I made that decision five years ago. I said, God, I don't care what it costs me, I don't care what it takes, but I'm living for you. I'm going to be a servant for your kingdom, Jesus. Come on. You can either be common, and that's okay. It's okay. There's no, 
It's not bad to be common, but you're just common. It's okay. God loves you. You're going to heaven. You're filled with Holy Spirit. You've got Jesus. That's great. But the call, there's a call of God in this scripture that there's something special on every person's life. And he wants you to figure that out. He wants you to walk in this. And this is what I'm going to preach on today. How do we respond to this? I want to preach on how we respond to be sent by God for great service, to do mighty works for him. See, when Paul says instruments for special purposes, that literally means being sent by God for great service. Being sent by God as a great mighty servant. Amen? Come on. Who wants that today? Come on. Come on. We, we need to see more of God's kingdom in our life. You can't afford to stay where you're at. Don't stay where you're at. Please don't. Because you're not seeing enough of God's healing power. You're not seeing enough of God's salvation in people around you. You're not seeing enough of the Holy Spirit's move in your workplace, in your family. There is so much more for every person in this room. And God wants to anoint us. He wants to, us to abide in the anointing to serve Him. Amen. Amen. I'm believing that God is going to raise up, raise up mighty servants in this house. For those who are listening on live stream, we welcome you. God's going to raise you up to be a mighty servant. Amen. Amen. Romans 8.19 says that for all, all of creation, all of it, not just half. What does all mean? All, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, all. All of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. That is incredible. The whole world, the whole world is waiting for you to get up off the couch and serve God. Oh, that went down well. <laughs> Come on. All of creation's waiting. The whole of creation. So it's the same as this scripture. We, we have a choice to partner with God and to serve Him. To, to say, see, there's many Christians, many sons and daughters are in hiding. Many people are in hiding. And so it's our job to respond to what Holy Spirit is doing in our lives so that we will be revealed to the world around us. So that you would reveal Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? Come on. Come on. That's got to be a heart's cry today. Luke 4 verse 18. Jesus, he gets, so Jesus filled with the Spirit, Son of God, fully God, but he's also fully man, okay? I don't get how it works. We don't have to. That's faith, all right? But he's fully God and he's fully human. So he comes to earth as a man. He's not, he, he's not empowered as the Son of God, but he's empowered via Holy Spirit as a man, okay? His still status is the Son of God. Are we getting this? So Jesus, he's filled with Holy Spirit. And what happens is he comes out of the wilderness and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has... What? He sent me. Do we get that? So Jesus realizes that Holy Spirit is in him for a purpose. And the purpose is to be sent. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to send us today. 
The purpose of God within you, he's speaking to you, he's whispering to you. There's a call of God inside of you that wants to send you out into your workplace, that wants to send you out to serve in the seven mountains, into the the spheres of society. There's a calling within you. See, sons are sent to serve. Jesus realized this, that mature sons and daughters of God are actually servants because we're sent by Holy Spirit to serve. I, I can know how mature I am in God by knowing how well I am at serving God and at serving those around me. Sons and daughters are meant to serve communities, are meant to serve cities, are meant to serve nations. You're meant to serve your workplace. You're sent by Holy Spirit to serve in education, to serve in the hospitals for those who work there, to serve in pharmacies, to serve in, in, give me other jobs, businesses, to serve in real estate, to serve in your university. Sons and daughters of God are sent to serve. Is that practical enough for you? Come on. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. Jesus says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. It's an amazing passage, isn't it? The fact that If I want to hold on to my life, I won't find life. But if I want to give my life away for God, then I find true life. So that tells me whenever you give your life away as service to God, that's where true life is found. If you're struggling, I believe this is a part of the cure. And I'm not saying fully because I realize there's other things involved. But I realize I think this is part of the cure to hopelessness, to depression, to anxiety, to self-centeredness, to all the pain we can go through in our souls and emotionally. A part of the cure is serving God and giving your life away. Why? Because Jesus says, life is only found when you surrender to God. If you want to hold on to your life and not serve God, that's fine. But you will never live in true life, amen, that he has for you. That's so powerful, isn't it? So let's look at the life of Jesus This is a great passage of scripture in the life of Jesus. We're going to go through his early, early life right before he gets into ministry, okay? And I want to show you how how God works. Holy Spirit is so awesome. How he works in us, how he leads us to respond to him so that we can be sent as mighty servants. Amen? Amen. So Luke chapter 2, verse 48. Turn with me there. Luke chapter 2, verse 48. This is Jesus. He's in the temple. Uh, he's 12 years old, okay? And, uh, and for some reason, I don't know how you can do this, but his parents have been gone for about two to three days and then they realize that they don't have the Son of God with them, the promised Messiah. Now, I'm not a parent, but... Yeah, anyway. Maybe some parents could relate to that. My mum probably could. She left me at church one time. I still remember it. I was scarred. They got all the way home and they realised Dean was still at church. And I'm sitting there thinking, what's going on? Have my parents been raptured and I've been left behind or something? (laughs) Uh, Brilliant. So Jesus is in the temple. They come back, right? 
and they find him in the temple. They've been looking for him. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? If I was Jesus, I'd be saying, you left without me. (laughs) Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. It's a pretty straightforward question. You think Jesus would know the answer to that? There's a key in that. Why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? In other words, Jesus was saying to them, you know the assignment and the calling and the purpose on my life. You should have known I would be here. Jesus isn't being harsh. It's just preaching the truth in love, right? This is the first point. To be sent for mighty service for God is we respond to the call. We respond to God's calling, His purpose, His assignment upon our life. The responding is just a response. It doesn't mean I have to know it. It doesn't mean I have to have my whole future planned out for the next 20 years. Sorry for people who are like that. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. Okay? Otherwise, you wouldn't live by faith. Right? It'd be too safe and comfortable for you. We respond to the call of God. So we don't know the purpose, the assignment. You may not know that, but there's the call of God, the assignment upon your life, and it's our job to respond. It's our job, like Jesus, to get up in the morning and to say, I'm going to be about my father's business today. I'm about my father's business. Yes, I've got this to do, task one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got to do this for my work. I've got to do this. But in the midst of all that, I'm about my father's business today. Get up in the morning. Hello, Holy Spirit. I'm about your business today, Jesus. Yeah, I've got all this stuff, but this is your day. I'm here to serve you today. This is what Jesus was doing, responding to the call. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works, listen up, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Wow. I love that. Do you know why? It tells me that no one in here was an accident. No one in here was just like, you were born, you popped forth into the world and, and you didn't come forth and God's like, well, oh, flip, I didn't, know, I didn't think that would happen. Okay, uh, I better come up with a plan and an assignment and a purpose for you. No, no, no. God prepared in advance your assignment and your calling and your purpose. He prepared in advance your service to Him. How amazing is that? Psalm 139 talks about that. How there's a book in heaven that God writes up for you. So God was looking to this day and age and he says, I'm bringing Jade in at this time. I'm bringing Millie in at this time. I'm bringing Bill in at this time. Why? Because there's an assignment. There's a heavenly calling upon their life to release the kingdom of God in such a profound way that no one else could do. You couldn't do Bill's assignment. You can do his calling, his purpose. We're unique in God. And so we, we, there's this, see, I remember I used to spend time praying in, my back, in the back paddock of our house 
And I used to go up there and pray and, and I didn't really know what God wanted for my life. I didn't know where I was going, but it was in that secret place. It was in that time of prayer that there was the calling. There was the assignment of God that began to birth in my life. There was that sense of purpose. And I said, God, you know what? I'm serving you. I'm living for you, Jesus. You know what? I could go and do this. I could go this way, that way, that way. But you, no, no, no. I'm getting this sense of purpose and this calling from my heavenly Father. Come on. If you don't have that today, you need to get with God. And you need to let Him birth that in your heart. We respond to the call. Amen. John 15 verse 16, Jesus says to His disciples, You didn't choose me, I chose you. You didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit and fruit that would last. You never chose Jesus. Jesus chose you. You just responded to His choice. He chose you since the foundation of the world. He came and died for you. It was the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. It was God, Jesus was God's A plan, not God's B plan. He was the A plan. Going to the cross was the A plan. And he chose you. Jesus chose you. He did it for you. He did it for you. So you didn't choose him. You just responded to what he already did. You responded to the choice that he made. God didn't approve of you. God didn't approve of you before you made the decision. I mean, sorry, after you made the decision. He approved of you before that. And it was our choice after that. And then he comes and he fills us. Amen? It's really important to understand that, that we have a holy assignment and purpose from God. No one's an accident. No one's created without a purpose. And it's our job, like Jesus, to respond to that. It's our job, like Jeremiah, to respond to being chosen. It's our job, like Ezekiel, to rise up and respond to being chosen. Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah listens. He hears the word of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. He hears the word of the Lord and God's saying, Who, whom, who's going to go for me? Whom shall go? Whom shall I send? And Isaiah, what does he say? Oh, I'm more comfortable on my couch. I'm more comfortable just living the life I'm living. No, there's the cry in Isaiah's heart. Here I am, God, send me. Come on. If we would just get that, that God only, see, he just wants a people who will say, here I am. Here I am, Lord, send me. I'm available. I'm available. I don't have to know the calling and the purpose. I don't have to know the service that you're calling me to, but I'm available for it. I'm available. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Come on. How powerful is that? It's so awesome. You know, I think that's one of the keys. If you're bored and passionless today about God, one of the keys is to cry out like Isaiah. Here I am, God. Send me. There should never be any bored or passionless Christians in the kingdom of God, but unfortunately there are. And it's because they don't have this sense of calling and purpose in their life from God. Like Jesus, we're about our Father's business. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. So this is 18 years later, okay? Jesus has lived 18 years of his life being about the Father's business. Something's happening, all right? In verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he leaves the Jordan. So he's just been baptized by John the Baptist. Holy Spirit, the dove comes upon him. God says to him, you are a beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Amazing. Then the Holy Spirit 
begins to lead Jesus away from the Jordan. The Jordan in Scripture is always a place of change. I prophesy over you a place of change. God's bringing change to your life today. For those who are tired, for those who don't have passion, for those who feel like, where am I going in God? What's God doing in my life? God, where are you? I prophesy over you a place of change today, that God's bringing passion and purpose to your life, that you're going to wake up in the morning no more being like, oh, I'm tired, oh, I can't be bothered today. No, 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 you're going to wake up with great passion and purpose in the name of Jesus. Come on, grab a hold of that. I will if you don't. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and common sense says that at the end of them he was hungry. A 40-day fast of no food, okay? Only water. It's a long fast, isn't it? 40. Think about that, 40 days. Holy Spirit is doing a work in Jesus' life here. He's preparing him to be sent out by God. So when Jesus says in Luke 4 verse 18, after he comes out of the wilderness, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me, this happens because Holy Spirit's working in his life here. Holy Spirit is working in our lives, amen? He's working in your life today, all right? Holy Spirit's work during this time, once we respond to the call of God, His work is to strengthen us in our identity as sons and daughters of God. When we're strong in our identity, we don't get taken out by the devil as a servant. Because when you're serving God, you're in the army of God and you're in a battle. And if we're not strong in our identity, in in Christ in me, about understanding that we're approved and loved by God, that shame and condemnation is washed away, that we have eternal forgiveness, that we're forever in the presence of God, that John chapter 10, no one can snatch you out of Jesus Christ's hands. Amen? So this is a work of strengthening in identity from Holy Spirit. But the devil's here. The devil is in this world, okay? And what happens is, The devil brings three tests and temptations along. And these three tests and temptations are to get Jesus to compromise in his calling and in his assignment. The devil will always try to get you to compromise. Okay? Once you're saved, once you're born again, he's lost it. He's lost his grip on your life. So now what he wants to do is he wants you to get you to compromise in your calling. He wants to get you doing things apart from God that will cause you to regress rather than progress, okay? So think about this. The devil wants to cause Jesus to compromise in his calling and assignment, but Holy Spirit is working to strengthen Jesus in his identity and in his calling and in his assignment, okay? So look at verse 3 now. I hate compromise, by the way. There's a spirit... There's a demonic spirit of compromise that comes to our lives. Well, it's okay. You can just sleep with that person. God will forgive you. It's compromise. It's compromise. It's okay. You can live in this sin. God will forgive you. Yeah, it's true. We're eternally loved by God, but don't compromise. Don't compromise. Verse 3, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, if you are, if you are the son of God, So it's a test in identity, right? If you are the Son of God, trying to get Jesus to question 
who he is before God. That's what the devil does. Tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Come on. Jesus says, you know what? I'm not going to compromise here. God is my source. I'm going to do it God's way. I could, I could surrender to what the devil's trying to do and I could make bread appear for myself. Jesus was good like that, wasn't he? He had the ability to do it. But he says, no, I'm not compromising. No, no, no. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In, otherwise, in other words, God is my source. God is my life. Yes, I need natural food, but my number one source in life is God. Jesus sets himself apart for the work of God. Point number two, we live set apart lives for God. We begin to live set apart lives for God. This, this, this grows, this, be, this becomes different in different stages of our life. But we begin to realize that God's bringing me into seasons that I need to lay things down and take things up. The eye of the needle is small and I don't want to be carrying baggage through the needle. In fact, I can't. God calls us in certain seasons if we want to be mighty servants for Him. He calls, he calls us, His Holy Spirit, He whispers to us and He says, you need to let go of this and you need to take up this. So God spoke to me about two years ago, right? And he says to me, Dean, you actually need to start praying for sick people more. You need to start making this, uh, you need to start getting a righteous anger about sickness and disease. It, it, the world is, is full of sickness and disease from the devil. And, and it's the work of the kingdom of God. Jesus, he says, these signs will follow those who believe They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover in Mark chapter 16, verse 17. Amen. So God told me, he says, I want you to pray and contend more. So do you know what that meant? It meant I had to set apart more of my life for God. It meant I had to set apart more prayer, more time in my day for prayer. It meant I had to let go of certain things. What did that look like for me? It looked like letting go of chilling out and watching a movie every night. Chilling out and watching the TV every night. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I love watching movies. But I'm saying it took up too much of my time. God said, you need to set apart time for yourself in this season if you want to grow in this area and serve me and be sent by me. Amen? And so that was the call. It can look different for you, but that's what God said to me. It's really important that we partner with Him in how to live set-apart lives for Him. He wants to build you up. He wants to train you up. And that only happens when we give a part of our time to God. When we say, yep, yep, I'm going for it, God. I'm setting a part of my life. I'm giving it to you. Work in my life. I'm going to pray more. Work in my life. I'm going I'm to spend more time in the Word. Whatever it looks like. But let Holy Spirit guide you. Amen. We see in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel gets called, it's his assignment and calling from God to go into the palace of Babylon, to be, to be raised up in government, to be a mighty servant for God. If it was a common day Daniel, it would be like Scott Morrison, our amazing prime minister. Amen? That's what it would be like. And so this is Daniel. He gets 
raised up in the government of Babylon, a non-believing nation. And they go to bring him food. And he, he must have gotten a word from God. I don't know what it was, but he says, I'm not defiling myself with the royal food of the palace. In other words, God had spoken to him and, and said to him, you need to set apart this part of your life for me if you want to grow in this area. This is such an important revelation to get. I believe this is one of the first steps I see in the lives of young people is when they go and get new friends. And it's not being harsh to, to your friends that don't know God, but when you're a young age, you're at a tender age, you can be easily influenced by people. And I see young people, when they get a friendship group of believers, of young believers who are on fire and hungry for God, oh my, how they grow. It is incredible how they grow. Come on. It's amazing, isn't it? Titus chapter 2, verse 12. The grace of God has appeared. Who is the grace of God? That's the man, Jesus Christ, has appeared to all people, to all people, offers salvation to all people. What does it do? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, to worldly passions, and to live holy lives for God. Holy is set apart for God. So Jesus Christ appears and he works in our life to set us apart for God. Come on. All we need to do is respond to that. Be obedient to that. See, when it says grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness, what that means is that the more I fall in love with Jesus, who is grace, the less I fall in love with the world. People want to get set free from sin in their own striving and struggling. You, you, if you preach some, to someone that they're a sinner, they're never, going to be get, they're never going to get set free. If you preach grace and Jesus to them, you're preaching the answer and the solution. You cause them to fall in love with Jesus. You show them who Jesus is, and I can guarantee you that they will fall out of love with their sin. Come on. Come on. If you're struggling to set yourself apart for God, your problem isn't you're not disciplined enough. Your problem isn't you're just not wired that way. Your problem isn't you're inadequate. Your problem is you just need to fall more in love with Jesus. There's a love deficit in your life. Come on. Oh. So to be sent by God for mighty works, we set our life apart. Look at verse 5 now in Luke chapter 4. The devil led him up on a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. So the devil's got a little bit of power and authority. This is before the cross, mind you. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. That's really interesting, isn't it? And I can give it to anyone I want to. So before the cross, before Jesus came and took back the keys to the kingdom by his death and resurrection, the devil had the authority and the splendor of the kingdoms of the world. He owned them. Not anymore. Amen? Amen. Not when Jesus rose. Not when, when Jesus went down to hell and rose again. And Colossians 2, he triumphed over every work of the devil. Amen? Amen. He translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I could keep going, but I'll focus on this. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Mm. So the devil wants us to compromise by worshipping idols, by worshipping him instead of God. He wants to compromise, wants us to compromise in our calling, right? Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God 
and serve Him only. Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. There's one solution. Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. The devil wants Jesus to take the easy way out. The devil wants Jesus to compromise. Jesus knows that it's His assignment to redeem man, to redeem what the first Adam lost. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the kingdom. The devil came and took authority over mankind. They lost authority. Jesus came to redeem that. Jesus knows it's his assignment. He knows he has to go to the cross. I wonder if he was tempted. I don't think so. Not at all because he's love and love wouldn't do that because it's self-sacrificial. But Jesus could have got the kingdom by bowing to the devil. He could have served himself. He could have said, you know what, I'll serve myself. Humanity hasn't been really good to me. I mean, I love them, but some of them are just, oh, you know, they're not very nice to me. I've been preaching and teaching and they, and they want to kick me out. They want to stone me. They want to kill me. Jesus could have said, you know what? I have to go to the cross for them and die for them. That's pretty brutal. He could have served himself. He wouldn't have. But I'm getting you to use your imagination here. He could have served himself, but he chose not to. He chose to serve God. This is the third thing. The third thing about being set apart to do mighty works for God, to be sent as a son who serves. The third thing is that we serve God and not self. Serve God and not self, and that is more challenging than you realize. This is where you learn to die to self and to be raised up for God. This is where you learn to be resurrected in your thought life. See, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, he says that we are to put off the old man and to put on the new man, right? So, that doesn't mean we're schizophrenic spiritually, okay? That doesn't mean we have an old sin nature and then we have a new nature in Christ. Paul's actually talking, what he's saying is, when you're born again, you receive the nature of Jesus within you, amen? You become 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, a brand new creation. But what happens is that we still have thinking in here that needs to be resurrected. So we're made new in here, in our spirit, but we're a spirit, a soul, and a body, okay? We need to be resurrected in our thought life. There needs to be, what, what happens is to serve God and not self, there has to be a time where we begin to let Holy Spirit renew our minds. And so we say, God, I'm going to serve you. And there's things in my thinking where I'm serving myself. There's self-centeredness in me. There is self-centeredness in me. There's self-centeredness in you. There is. Did you know there's 99 negative attitude traits and character traits in the New Testament? I say that because we all probably have one of them. 99, that's only the New Testament, right? We all probably have one of them. And so this is about being resurrected in our thought life. There's dead thinking in us that needs to go that produces dead works in our life. 
There's things in us that cause that when we when we don't forgive people, bitterness, fear, unforgiveness, areas where where we go throughout our day. This person hurt me. This person's not being very nice to me. My boss isn't great. Oh, I don't. My work's just too hard. Or all this. There's a lot of mys in that. There's a lot of me's in that. There's a lot of serving self in that. God wants what's here to get up into here. He wants what's in your spirit, man. See, the gospel is about a transformation. It starts on the inside. God blesses you in your spirit and then it comes onto the outside of you. Amen. It flows into your soul, into your thinking, into your believing. And that's when it penetrates your outer world. Amen. God blesses the inside first. If you're like, God bless me on the outside, you need to realize the blessing that is placed on the inside of you. So what happens is we come to church and we worship and we love God. God, I love you. God, I worship you. God, you're amazing. And then we go throughout our week and we can serve ourselves, and then we expect God to still bless us. We can go throughout our week and, oh, this person's ticked me off. I'll get home from work. I'm tired. I can't be bothered. Don't treat my family well. I'm just saying it as an example, right? Me, oh my, that's self. That's a lot of self in that. Jesus says, if you want to be sent out for great service, the call of God is to rise up as a selfless servant. Come on. We rise up in selflessness for God. This is really important. I knew this would be the heavy point, but that's okay. That's okay. Saul and David had the same call upon their life, didn't they? King Saul and King David were both to be kings to destroy the Philistines. That was their call. What happened to Saul? It didn't go well for Saul. Why didn't it go well for Saul? I'll be quick about this. Because he was self-serving. He didn't want to serve God. Oh, it looked like he was serving God. It looked like he was following the call of God. But there's things in him that he refused to deal with. Whenever he got, whenever he got caught out for his sin, whenever he got called out and said, you're doing this wrong, he would say to the prophet, you pray to God for me. Get it right for me so I look good in front of people. David, yes, he had a few stuff-ups, but he was the man after God's own heart. Why? Because he chose to serve God and not self. He chose to serve God. I'm going throughout my day. God, I'm serving you today. Holy Spirit, I choose to serve you and not myself. Yes, I can have these feelings and these emotions about my life and those around me, but you know what? They're lies in my thought life. I'm going to renew that with the truth of the Word of God. I'm going to build up resurrected thinking. It's called the mind of Christ, the mind of a servant. Amen? Amen. Woo! <laughs> Luke chapter 4, verse 9. The devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put your Lord God to the test. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
So this next point, we go from responding to God's call. I get a sense of purpose and calling. I begin to set apart areas of my life for God. I start to progress into serving God, not myself. And now I start to live by faith and not feelings. Well, there's a lot I could say about this, but... Mm. The devil is trying to get Jesus to be moved by his emotions rather than his faith and trust in God. The devil comes to Jesus. Jesus is a bit tired. He's hungry. Come on, Jesus. If you are the son of God, throw yourself off. Is God really here for you? Is God really a good father? Will God really do this for you? Trying to get Jesus to be moved by his emotions rather than by his faith and his trust in God. Holy Spirit begins to build up our life to serve him by building up our faith rather than our emotions. I love emotions. We need emotions. Some people preach that emotions are bad. They're not. I love emotions. God has created us with them for a purpose. But your emotions are not, you're not meant to serve your emotions. Your emotions are meant to serve you. And too many people are serving their emotions, what they're feeling through the day. And they're led by what they're feeling. I feel tired today. I feel a little hard done by today. My boss was a bit harsh with me today. My friend, I keep talking to them about Jesus and they keep rejecting me. Oh me, oh my, poor me. Led by emotions, led by their feelings, rather than led by faith. Rather than saying, you know what? I'm having these feelings and these emotions. I'm having all this going on, but I choose to live by faith. I take authority over the feelings of the day. I take authority over the feelings of the week. I take authority over the feelings of the doctor's report about my body. I take authority over the feelings of my financial situation and my job. I take authority over the feelings of that and I begin to live by faith. I begin to trust in God. I begin to realise that my faith is in the faithfulness of Father God. And I begin to Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And if I'm too much led by my emotions, I've got to get this into me. You've got to get the Word of God into you. If that's you today, it's the written Word that transforms your life. Jesus, in every temptation here, He uses the Word to combat the works of the devil. Come on. When Jesus quoted that Scripture, It is written, don't test the Lord your God. He was talking about the Israelites in the wilderness. He was talking about how they'd just been delivered from Egypt. God had done all these incredible, mighty, supernatural acts for them. And they come out into the wilderness and they don't have water for a couple of days. And they start complaining and grumbling towards God. They start acting out of their emotions. If complaining is a good sign that I'm not being led by my faith. If I'm beginning to complain about things in my life, if we're beginning to complain about the world and what's happening, we're being led by emotions and not faith. Come on. Come on. The Israelites, 
They'd seen God do all these mighty acts and yet they still didn't trust in the goodness of God to provide water for them. Exodus 17, what happens? Moses gets the staff, strikes the rock, water gushes out. Amen? Point number five. Let's move on. So we, Holy Spirit works in us to go from being emotions-led to faith-led. I was at work during the week and, uh, and a thought rose up in me. We were working with the, some of the students who, who I work with and, uh, and they don't, some of them believe in God, but I, w- I wouldn't call them kids who are on fire for Jesus, okay? Just, just a lot of issues. And, uh, and this thought rose up in me, we're building things as we do. He said, you should get some music going. And I'm like, okay. Okay, what music, God? You're like, get some worship music playing. So, so I get, to, I get to my, onto my YouTube and I type in Planet Boom. Come on. Yeah. Bit of Planet Shakers, baby. Just to <laughs> shake the environment up. These are kids who have never worshipped God in their life. And I said, all right, guys, we're going to liven up the atmosphere in this place. We're going to get some planet shakers going and we're going to worship Jesus. And you think, Dean, did you really say it like that? And I said, yeah, I did. I said, they're like, what is this music? I said, this is how you worship Jesus. And they're just going around. They're like, okay, awesome. But you know what? When I first thought about doing that, I was like, oh, flip. (laughs) This could come off really bad. Why did I share that story? Being led by faith and not your emotions. A lot of the times I've never stepped out for God is because I've I've let the things that I'm feeling, fear, anxieties, the own issues of my own day, I've let that lead me rather than letting my faith lead me. And so it's so important in those times, here's the key, is you take authority over that. You say, no, 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 I'm going to choose to play some planet shakers today. I'm going to choose to create an atmosphere for people to worship. Come on. It's a good song. Saints was the one, Joshua. Last point, we're almost done. Jesus returned to Galilee. Listen to this. This is the best part. He's gone through the wilderness. Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That literally means it says that He was armed with the Spirit. So there was something different about Jesus when He came out of the wilderness. There was an upgrade in His life. When Jesus responded to God like this, when He went through this, He came out and He was armed with the Spirit. So that tells me, that when we do this, when we respond in this way to be servants for God, God brings us an upgrade. I like upgrades. It's like getting an upgrade in your car. It's good, isn't it? He returns in the power of the Spirit and news about Him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues. Listen up. So He did something. He then taught in their synagogues and everyone praised Him. Last point is that we need to now rise up for God. Jesus didn't come out armed with the Holy Spirit and then went home and did the same thing as he did before. No, 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 no. He, he realised that now 
He had to do something different. Now was the time to start stepping out more. Now was the time to go into his assignment and his calling. Now was the time not to shrink back, but now was the time to rise up and to step up for God. Come on. Some of us need to rise up and step up for God. Come on. Some of us need to realize that we're filled with Holy Spirit. God couldn't do any more in your life than He's already done now. It's your time to be the deliverer, not get delivered yourself. Come on. See, in the Old Testament, they had to wait for God to deliver. In the New Testament, we act on what God has already done and deliver people. Holy Spirit working through you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are ambassadors for Christ. It's time for you to start thinking like an ambassador. We, we choose. Lord, we choose to be sent out as great servants for you. So we're going to think as ambassadors. An ambassador realized that he has authority from the one that he was sent out from. We begin to rise up in authority in our day. We begin to realize who we are. We've been strengthened in our identity by Holy Spirit. Being raised up as a son or daughter of God. Every person in this place is right now being raised up as a son or daughter of God. And now you begin to think differently. Now you begin to say, okay, I have Holy Spirit living in me. I believe that God is who He says He is. I believe the Word of God. God is not a man that He should lie. If God says it, I believe it. That means I've got to step out and walk in it. Come on. This, is, this can be challenging, this part. This can be challenging. It's time to step up. That's why that last point was so important that we're led by faith. Amen? This is my last scripture and I'll leave you with this. God spoke to me through this scripture a couple months ago. In John chapter 21, Jesus, this is post-resurrection. The disciples, they're lost in their calling and an assignment. The reason I'm saying this is this is a good word for people right now. They go fishing. They don't know what to do. They go fishing on the lake. They've been fishing all night and they've caught nothing. I've been in that situation before. <laughs> been fishing and caught nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and they're fishing all night, catching nothing. Jesus appears to them on the shoreline. Have you caught anything? Nah, caught nothing. Thanks, mate. You get those people who walk past. How, how's you going, mate? Caught anything yet? No. Could be Jesus next time if you do, you know, it's careful. You never know. They could have a miracle catch for you. He says to them, get your net off the left side, cast your net onto the right-hand side of the boat, Right? What happens when they cast in it on the right-hand side? They catch 153 fish. They catch the power and the promises of God for their life, for their calling and their assignment. Listen to this. A net, now I'm being liberal in this interpretation because this is what Holy Spirit was showing me, all right? The net it is often in Scripture a picture of our belief system. It's described as a wineskin in Luke chapter 5 and 6, Okay. The net was on the left-hand side of the boat. The left-hand side in Scripture isn't a good place to be. If you want to be somewhere in Scripture, you're on the right-hand side of God, okay? We're raised up. We're seated on the throne on the right-hand side of the Father, amen, seated in Christ Jesus. So on the right-hand side, Jesus tells them to cast it with the net, a picture of their belief system. What Holy Spirit was telling me through this 
is he wants to take people from a place of hope to a place of faith. To a place of, I love God, you're awesome God, I want to serve you, I go throughout my day. A place of thinking like that to a place of an ambassador. To a place of going out and destroying the works of the enemy every day. Come on. There's people like that. God is raising up people like that in this place right now, causing you to think like a son. Come on, cast your net on the right-hand side of the boat. It's time to cast your net on the right-hand side of the boat. If you're going throughout your day and not seeing the power of God in your life, get your net off the left side and start casting it onto the right side. Start thinking like a son. Start thinking that, yes, I'm called for a purpose. Start thinking that, yes, Jesus, you live in me and I'm sent out to serve you today. Come on. Yeah. Woo! So I want to encourage you. God is raising up mighty servants in this place. He's sending everyone out to serve. He's sending everyone out to serve communities, to serve in your workplace, to reflect the heart and the love of God. To be, to be a vessel for Holy Spirit to move through. Amen? Amen? Come on. Like Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, there's this holy calling from God. There is this holy calling from Him to say, God, there's more for me. There's more for every person in this place. Holy Spirit, there's more for me. I'm content in my relationship with Jesus, but I will not settle with where I'm at. Don't settle with where you're at. God wants to send you out as a mighty servant. Amen. Creation is waiting for you. Your workplace is waiting for you. There are people that God has planned for you to encounter and for you to serve and to love and for you to lead into a relationship with Jesus. And he, God wants to do all this in you. So I encourage you today, be open to what Holy Spirit wants to do in your life this week. If anything that I've preached in this message has hit your heart, make sure you run with that this week. Run with that. Go to God with it and say, Lord, there needs to be change here. Holy Spirit, help me change. He's the helper and He will do it. Amen. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for You. I'm going to serve You, God, not myself. I'm going to follow faith. I'm going to respond to the call. Like Jesus, I'm not going to compromise. Amen. So I ask Holy Spirit that right now, you would raise up, you would sow the seeds of the heart of the servant in people's lives right now. Holy Spirit, raise up people in this place like King David's. Raise up people who are men after your own heart, men and women after your own heart in Jesus' mighty name. Raise up mighty men and women of faith today. Put, sow seeds of faith into people's hearts, I ask right now. In Jesus' mighty name, bring revelation to people right now, Holy Spirit, on their calling, on their purpose, on their assignment in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We enthrone you in our hearts, Jesus. We enthrone you in our hearts. 
And we make the choice, Lord, not to settle. We make the choice, Lord, not to settle. Birth passion right now in people's lives. For those who are tired and passionless, I command those lies to come out of you. I decree the truth that you're full of the Spirit and full of the fire of God in Jesus' mighty name.